As COVID-19 continues to spread across the globe, so does misinformation. From the Aspen Institute, I'm Amina Akhtar. This is Aspen Insight. My guest today is Vivian Schiller, the Executive Director for Aspen Digital. Hi, Vivian. Welcome to the Aspen Insight podcast. Hi, Amina. It's very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's start with the most basic question, misinformation versus disinformation. What are they and what's the difference? Yes. Right. So it is an area of of confusion and people use uh, them interchangeably sometimes. But frankly, either of them, of those terms is better. And I will explain it, but either of those is better than the dreaded term fake news. No matter what, don't use fake news. It's just too blunt an instrument to describe um, a very complicated and uh, uh, nuanced information ecosystem. So the basic difference between disinformation and misinformation is intent. Disinformation is when someone is intentionally sharing false information uh, for nefarious purposes. It could be that they want to uh, cause harm. It could be that they feel that um, spreading this uh, incorrect information will help them make money because it will draw people to their site. Um, whatever the reason, that is disinformation. Misinformation is when people unintentionally share false information. Um, it could be, frankly, something that started as disinformation and then a person unwittingly shares it because they think it's true. Um, or it could be satire that's taken seriously or what have you. Um, there is a third category, which is not so much in play right now uh, during the crisis, but it has been in the past, uh, which is malinformation. And that's when people share truthful information, private, usually private information to cause harm. So those are things like um, release, uh, you know, data breaches, releasing people's personal information or what have you. There have been some popular theories on the web, one of them, which is that coronavirus is a biological weapon that was developed at a military lab in Wuhan, China. What is the trajectory of a rumor like this from start to finish? There's all kinds of um, crazy myths out there. Um, And uh, they often start as a piece of disinformation, again, as a reminder, something someone is spreading for a particular either political or personal or ideological or what have you reason. But then that information for a variety of reasons, and this gets into human psychology of what we want to believe, it becomes misinformation because people spread it. So yeah, there have been all kinds of uh, crazy stories out there, Uh, origin myths being just one of really uh, five categories of false information that's been that's been propagating during the crisis. Um, A lot of the times it starts um, on the dark web. Um, There are all kinds of um, uh, sites where this kind of stuff is um, shared that you can't see. Um, Often it goes to Reddit. Um, It goes or uh, bubbles up from conspiracy sites. Uh, A lot of those conspiracy sites are, are politically oriented. Uh, There are um, coordinated, uh, what's called coordinated inauthentic behavior, which is um, nation states uh, propagating false information. Um, And then once it takes root, 
And if it's done effectively, and by effectively, I mean in a, in a bad way, um, if it's a compelling piece of information, then it spreads like wildfire through um, open sources like um, Twitter, let's say, which is easier to detect because that's public. Uh, more troubling is that this information, more and more this, 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 this disinformation, misinformation is circulating via closed groups. It could be a WhatsApp or a Telegram or um, any of the, or, or, or Messenger, any of the closed uh, groups that are, is impossible for researchers to see and it's impossible to see it taking root uh, until it's too late. I guess that makes this a good time to bring up social media's role in, in, in misinformation. So these closed groups can often be home to a group of anti-vaxxers, which are now turning into hotbeds for spreading misinformation on coronavirus. Um, yet it's very hard, as you said, for authorities to take this media down permanently. So what have companies like Facebook done and what do they need to continue to do? Well, it, it depends on whether we're talking about, if we're talking about Facebook, are we talking about Facebook and Instagram proper or are we talking about WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger? Um, all of those, everything I just mentioned is owned by Facebook, but when we're looking at the more open social media, what we usually call social media platforms, it's, it's more visible, it's a little easier for people to tag, to flag, and for Facebook to take those down. And I have to say, um, you know, there's the, the, the social media platforms have a very mixed record when it comes to um, taking down harmful information, but I will say they are very much rising to the occasion during the pandemic and acting much more aggressively and shutting down any information that could even reasonably be arguable, argued to cause public harm. Um, Twitter has been incredibly aggressive. For example, you know, Twitter has always said that they are reluctant to take down uh, tweets from public officials, no matter what's in them. Well, they are now. They um, deleted a tweet by uh, Brazilian President Bolsonaro um, that downplayed the effect of the virus and other American officials as well. Uh, when it comes to the closed group, that's much tri trickier. They are encrypted. Um, it is not possible for anyone other than those inside those closed groups to track them and see them. And you know, on the on the one hand, um, people's privacy is more protected there. So um, uh, privacy advocates um, applaud uh, the ability of those uh, groups to exist, and they serve a very uh, good purpose. You know, that's how whistleblowers can can provide critical information to news organizations, and and on and on and on. On the other hand, it is unfortunately a place where uh, damp, you know, downright um, damaging um, uh, information that could risk people's lives can propagate. Um, it is the proverbial game of whack-a-mole. Yep. Speaking of um, officials, recently someone died from taking the anti-malarial chloroquine drug, and he drank it after he heard President Trump call it a tremendous breakthrough. So it's clear that misinformation can have serious, serious consequences on people's lives. But how dangerous is it to not just threaten people's lives, but people's trust in institutions and in the government? 
Yeah, well, this is a big issue, and and you know the chloroquine example is is a good a, a good one um, on several fronts. First of all, it's an it's an it's an example of the kinds of misinformation that propagates, where there may be a kernel of truth. So uh, scientists actually have not ruled out that in certain cases chloroquine can be helpful in coronavirus uh, uh, in. in in alleviating some symptoms of coronavirus. I'm not a scientist, so I'm certainly not gonna go any farther than that. I know that it has not been entirely dismissed. Um, however, when information comes, whether it's from the president of the United States uh, or from anyone else that says, this is the be all end all cure, then you get tragic cases of someone just, you know, in this case, I don't know all the details, but overdosing, uh, you know, somebody died because of this. And that's why it's so important for public officials. I mean, it's always important, but in this moment to be led by the science and, um, you know, coming, whether it's coming from the White House or coming from um, state officials all over the world, uh, Trump is not alone in spreading what is untested, unproven information about um, how the, how the, virus, uh, how it originated, uh, how it is spreading, how it is cured, and it is, um, it is really um, a global crisis. That's, there's, no, no, there's a reason why it's called the infodemic, um, because literally people's lives are at stake. Um, and fact checkers will try to debunk those rumors, uh, but the fact is uh, the uh, uh, state officials have uh, an incredible megaphone, and um, and not only a megaphone directly to consumers, but also to news organizations that choose to uh, parrot the information, false information, unchecked. And that's what's one of the reasons why this uh, this pandemic is so um, frightening. You know, one of the things that many of us who've been tracking um, the information ecosystems for a long time as I have, what are the things that we worry about most or have worried about before literally it became a, a, a matter of life and death as it is right now is um, when there is so much conflicting information coming from different news organizations, partisan news organizations, when public officials are providing untruths or half-truths, one, one of the worst outcomes of that is that we no longer have a foundation of evidence-based information upon which we can draw different conclusions. So, you know, is the earth round or flat? Uh, is, the, is the virus, you know, curable by holding your breath for five seconds? All of these crazy things that have communities that believe so strongly tell you not to trust the media. And as a result, there is just colossal lack of trust in what I see and what I, what I see with my own eyes and what I hear with my own ears. And that is a, a, a terrifying long-term proposition. Sorry, I feel like Dr. Doom here. <laughs> no, absolutely. What you're saying has a lot of truth behind it and serious consequences for the long-term state of affairs. So what have other countries done to ensure accurate information is out? I know China has created an app. Um, the UK recently created a rapid response team. Yeah, look, uh, there are heroic individuals and heroic public officials all over the world who are doing what they can to make sure that the public has accurate information and we should applaud that. 
That said, um, unfortunately, in certain countries, this has been a, a, an opportunity for a crackdown on the press in the name of public health and safety uh, that I fear we will never recover from. So um, Hungary is a case in point. Viktor Orban, um, who has been a massive critic of a free press for a long time, is using this opportunity to crack down on any uh, what 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 on so-called false information, false the, and the determinant of false information is you guessed it Victor Orban. He and he alone and his office are deciding what is true and what is false. And if they declare a piece of information false, it is punishable now according to the latest decree uh, with up to five years in prison. So imagine a case where. Um, there is criticism by an independent media organization on how um, Viktor Orban is responding to the crisis that can be declared false information and that journalist can be jailed. We're seeing this all over and South Africa has just enacted a new law to make it a crime to publish disinformation about COVID-19. Again, uh, I always worry when a government, uh, when, it, when a centralized government authority um, owns the power to decide what's true or false. Azerbaijan is using this to crack down on the opposition and the media. Honduras, the government is responding by suspending the clause of the institution that prohibits censorship and protects uh, the right to free expression. So for every uh, responsible politician, um, including many heroic politicians in the United States and around the world, there are those who are taking advantage to take a greater control uh, of the media as they have long wanted to. Going down the road of how hard it can sometimes be to determine what is truthful and what is false, I came across this quiz online that definitely baffled me, and I'm, I'm just going to read it out real quick to you. Here's the question. Which of these websites publishes legitimate science and health news? The first option is science.news. The second is climatesciencenews.com. The third is sciencenews.org. And the fourth is pandemic.news. Do you have any guesses? And, and you're saying one of those is real. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, so full disclosure, I used to be uh, not long ago on the board of, a board of directors of um, Science News Magazine, um, which has been around for... Ooh. Uh, over a hundred years. So I happen to know that yeah. they have, and they are fantastic. And I happen to know that their website is sciencenews.org. So I can tell you that is incredibly reliable, science-based, peer-reviewed information. As for the other ones, I've never heard of them. Now, it's possible that they are uh, news organizations that have sprung up in recent days by reliable uh, scientific uh, sources or journalists, but I'm always cautious. And uh, so I can't tell you that any of the rest of those are legitimate or not. So the rest of those, which is science.news, climatesciencenews.com, and pandemic.news, they have all been found to be spreading coronavirus conspiracy theories. 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's the problem. That's why every one of us, unfortunately, has to um, sort of act like a journalist. And journalists are first, uh, the, you know, the, the, the famous line um, joke among journalists, it's a little corny, it's been around for too many decades, is if your mother tells, uh, if your mother says she loves you, check it out. So <laughs> journalists are by nature skeptics. So we always look at anything uh, from the point of view of, prove to me this is true before I know it's false. So I would encourage all, the entire population to put on their um, skeptical, um, their, their skeptical uh, uh, glasses. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't come up with a clever, uh, clever expression there. And uh, when you look at these organizations, uh, if you click on a website, because maybe a friend said, oh, check it out, look at this, it's really important information that I'm not reading anywhere else. Uh, you should do several things. First of all, go to the about section on that website, take a look at who is behind it, take a look at the board of directors, see if you can find any, or do a Google search and see if the information that, 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 is, being, that is being provided on those sites um, is being reported anywhere else. Look for um, references to, uh, particularly when it comes to the pandemic, to legitimate um, scientists and scientific sources, make that sure that they are who they say they are. I know that sounds like a lot of work. Um, that's what journalists do. And, um, and then there are places that you can check for individual, um, where you see individual pieces of information if you're not sure it's true. Um, there are organizations, Snopes, for example, um, is keeping, has a running list of uh, uh, stories that have been, they are debunking. Um, there is also something called the International Fact Checkers Alliance, um, which, is, as it, uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. And they have put out already more than 1,500 fact checks on pandemic-related information in 15 different languages. Every one of their fact checks is available in a searchable database. Again, take everything with a grain of salt, particularly ones that come from friends saying, hey, this hasn't been reported, but a friend of mine um, uh, it has a, is friends with a doctor at such and such place. Just please be careful what you believe and don't share it. Absolutely. And with all this time on our hands, I mean, the majority of the public always has their phone in their pocket or in their hand. This is the perfect time to sort of utilize search engines and get ahead on the fact checking. Exactly. Exactly. We've all been worried about that we're putting in too much screen time, but all of a sudden we're not putting in enough screen time. <laughs> we're all on our screens during this pandemic. <laughs> so uh, so it, it is what it is. But yeah, just be careful because there are, I, you know, as I said earlier, there are really, um, there are five different categories of misinformation circulating. Um, first is origin myths you know, that it was created by Bill Gates and, you know, or who wanted to kill the anti-vaccination movement, nonsense like that. Um, the second one is, um, is uh, false cures, you know, fake remedies, unreliable vaccines. Um, another category is around testing and lockdowns, uh, misinformation about um, uh, testing and quarantines and who's allowed to do what. Just please make sure you're getting all of that from reliable sources. To learn more about Aspen Digital, head to at Aspen Digital on Twitter. Thank you to my colleagues who made this episode possible. Hisham Abdulhamid, Ben Eiler, Ram Ravindran, Laurel Atkinson, and Aaron Myers. 
Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and follow at Aspen Institute on Twitter and Instagram to stay up to date with our work. Thanks for listening.